name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. Yes, you guys, this is big. Episode 168. Yeah, 168. And so because it's 168, I decided to uh, do a little surprise, which is I got myself the COVID. I got myself the COVID. I've got the COVID yesterday, tested positive. It was, boy, talk about a long time. I cannot believe I haven't had it 17 times or even at all till now because I was teaching classes in small rooms with people in the middle of the pandemic, all through now. Um, and my daughter got it in college. I went and drove her home, but you know, in the car, she was in the very back, had masks, windows open. I don't think I got it from her because it was like seven days after that, my, but my, that I got it. But my wife got it three days prior to that. So I think I got it from my wife. Lisa got it. She, you know, we're at basketball. I mean, you know, and Lisa, you guys know, she gets around, right? Uh, <clears throat> she does not listen to this podcast. There is not a chance that she's going to be bothered by that. But you know, I got to tell you, um, I feel uh, surprisingly okay, fine. Um, here's how I would describe it. Um, my voice is actually sounding kind of okay right now. Um, yesterday, it's gotten a little scratchy. I got I had like a little bit of a Deborah Winger thing going on. I wanted to have sex with myself. I was like, kind of like, this is terms of endearment, like my fantasy that was all happening. Um, I have a little niggle, I would say, in my chest, like a little, a little tickle, uh, if if you want to go there. And it and it and it just all of a sudden I'll be kind of doing stuff, and all of a sudden I'll just like cough for no real reason. I'll just like feel that little thing and cough. But that's it full energy i'm not pushing it tell you that much i'm not dumb i'm not running i did run the day before had a really good run and then that next morning covid correlation or causation i don't know mm. i am fully vaccinated and i gotta tell you um i decided um because i'm vaccinated i was like you know what i'm gonna utilize i'm gonna take i'm gonna take advantage of the microchip that is clearly in the vaccine. I mean, we all got microchips and I was like, why am I not using this to my advantage? So I was like, Bill Gates, you there? Can you, it's Sid. Listen, I know you're tracking me. Um, and since you're tracking me, can you grab me some apple juice? It's in the kitchen on the counter, right by the fruit. Lo and behold, freaking apple juice comes in. I mean, that guy, he has got his feelers everywhere, but man, why not take advantage of it? That's what I, that's kind of how I feel. I'm drinking tea. I'm drinking one of those uh, immune, those hippie immune support teas that do, let's, can we be honest? They don't do anything. Here's what, here's what drinking tea does for me. It makes me feel like I'm sick. Drinking tea makes me, I should have be, I should be having a whiskey. Just be like, I could be like, nothing's happening here, over here. But when I have tea, especially with something called immune support, I just go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm sick. And I'm just going to wallow in that reality while I'm drinking the tea. Mm. It's not the worst tasting tea. It just doesn't do anything. It's echinacea or something that's in tea form. Let's face it, guys. Can we face it? More on that coming soon, by the way. Thanksies and show notesies. Thanks to Patreoners and sh check the show notes for other things you want to know about me. <laughs> Still waiting on the editor to come back to me with notes. And the fact that it's taken this long is not a good sign. I got to tell you. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. Okay, so let's talk about the societal word. In my field of work, I am, and I'm sure it exists in other fields of work, but I am, I don't want to say bombarded because it's a little too melodramatic, but I, I am confronted 
by things that are patently false. Just, just there's nothing like the like like the microchip and the vaccine like that. But but stuff that is in the world that has become fact for no other reason that than that it's in the world and somebody at some point thought it was fact and then it just kept into the world and then nobody stopped it. That's what's weird and it's fascinating to me because nobody stops it. Nobody goes, this has been disproven, guys. Let's get that out of there. It just happens. And here's what's weird about it, even weirder. These are, I'm going to give you some examples, by the way, but these are things that that people supposedly in the know continue. They continue the misinformation and they should know better. It's one thing to say like, listen, we're all, like I do, I do a nutrition class, you know, I teach classes and I do this like, this like label reading tutorial, just real quick. I don't want people doing, going too deep down the rabbit hole of like label reading and, and the math and how, how really intentionally confusing it can be. But I'll sort of like, I'll sort of like do that. But then I also think, you know, and I say this in the class, I'm like, you, we all have jobs. Some of us are raising families. We don't have time to get a calculator out every time we're buying something that supposedly looks like it could be healthy, but in, in, in actuality is totally not. But in a way that they, the companies take advantage of that. I don't know if it's conscious or not. doesn't matter. It's still shitty, but they take advantage of it because they know nobody's going to really question that too much. Like it's just, we don't have the time, right? We don't have the time, but there are people who should, they're in the field talking about this stuff and it's just not true. So one of the things is first is the 10,000 steps. I was just talking to a client about it. I was like, you know the 10,000 steps thing, right? It's nothing. It's a it's a number that was like, I think the Japanese name for the app or something was name is called 10,000 steps. It has there's no science. There's no, we did a study and we found out that people who walk 10,000 steps can do, like they can, they can, they know how to walk on their hands, for instance, and they can do all sorts of great things with, with budgeting. Like there's nothing, there's 10,000 steps. It's rando. So, mm, I don't have a pro- here's what I don't have a problem with. I don't have a problem with if somebody goes and my client was like, yeah, but it gets me moving. I go, totally, I'm with you on that. I completely agree. I think if it motivates people to move, the problem is, and this is definitely in the field that I work in. The problem I have is that there's a 10,000 step thing that has hit the societal vernacular that everybody believes is the mark for no reason at all. And it can, and often does create either one of two things, stress, Oh, I didn't get my 10,000 steps in. Oh, I, sh- I really should. I need to get, I should get my steps in. Or craziness about walking five more steps in your living room because you're at 9995 or whatever the math is. I don't do the math on it. It's nuts. So it what it does is it lacks. I talk about constraints and rules quite a bit with my um, with my clients and I've talked about it in this podcast. I, I'm all, I'm I'm all for constraints and rules when you're in charge of them and when, number one and two when you have the freedom to break them. When you're in charge of them, that means you're going to have the freedom to break them. That means you have the ability to adjust and edit and be versatile and adaptable around it. But this this thing about ten thousand steps it makes it makes people a little bit crazy. A lot of the micromanagement of our health by the way, that I talk about a lot is stress inducing this, you know, counting calorie thing, this steps, for instance, this zone two heart rate, this heart rate monitors and, uh, you know, uploading everything to Strava so we can, you know, and again, there's a line there because if it gets people moving and they're happy doing it, great. But if they're locked into it, it's not good. 
Not good. It's not good for our health. I'll put it that way. Or happiness, by the way, more importantly. Okay. But if it gets you moving, if you're like 10,000 steps, good thing to shoot for. That's a pretty reasonable way to live your life. That's a pretty, you know what? 10,000 steps is kind of a good goal. It has no basis in science. I know that, but I kind of feel good when I do. You know, it, it means I'm moving around quite a bit. It's funny because years ago, I read an actual, I read an article then looked at the study, but when they actually looked at it, they were like, it's more like three, 4,000 steps. Like it's just, it's like every, like I always say in my classes, wild animals don't exercise. There's not one of them that actually, they move. It's part of their, they don't go, I'm going to go be on a treadmill for no reason and going nowhere for 30 minutes. And then I'm going to do nothing for the rest of the day. It, they move around. It's an integrated, pretty low stress, most of the time situation, unless they're running away from a leopard or chasing themselves a, a zebra. But you see lions are just like, they're the laziest bastards in the whole wide world. They just get up and run when they absolutely have to. There's nothing getting them up. You see them. They're just laying there like, uh, I guess I got to freaking eat. All right, let me go be an asshole and run to do that. You know, that's what it is. Uh, calcium and healthy bones. I mean, I just... I like teach staff people at the resort. Somebody just goes, so I started taking calcium supplements. I go, why? Well, because my mother has osteoporosis. I go, do you think it's from lack of calcium? We take more calcium in than anywhere in the world and we have the worst bone health. We take in, let me say it again. We take in more calcium in this night in the United States, in this United States. And I know I have people in Norway. I'm coming. I'm coming to Norway. Just get ready. Get my place ready and situated. But in the United States, we consume, and by the way, Norway consumes a crap ton of calcium too, and their bone health isn't stellar either, but ton of calcium here via dairy and supplementation, and yet we have the worst bone health. Now, do we need calcium? Of course we need calcium. Of course. Is it all we need for healthy bones? Oh no, because if it were, we'd have the healthiest bones in the world, not the, wait for it, least healthiest bones in the world. So these things hit some of it's from advertising. Some of it's just from science that then gets revised because people find out more information and that's freaking too late. So next thing is the rice and beans madness. You have to combine rice and beans to get a complete protein. No, you don't. Number one. And number two, the very person who floated that into the world, a woman named Frances Moore LePay, who just passed away, by the way. Um, I said that like it was a good thing. By the way, she just passed away. Isn't that great? Um, she passed away somewhere. Away, she went away. Uh, she said rice and beans. She wrote a book called Diet for a Small Planet. And it was it was more of an environmental bent. And she was like, listen, if you're concerned about, it, I don't think it was a big deal. I think it was like if you're concerned about it, if you combine rice and beans, you get a complete protein. Now the science has such then shown that you not only do not have to combine in a micromanagement way, but way more plants than we thought have all the essential amino acids. Number one, number two. If you eat a variety, whenever you're getting them all, your body is not. It, I don't, I need everything right now or I can't function. We'd be dead. And so would most animals like gorillas. If we had to like, you know, put it on the plate at the same time. It's crazy. So she herself, she herself said not many, very many years later. Well, that's actually not true. You can just eat a variety of plants and you're going to get all the protein you need. And it was too late. And here's the thing. Still to this day, just last week, taught a class. They're like, my trainer. I go, you had a trainer? Is your trainer a nutritionist, by the way? No. Okay. So first of all, and second of all, even if they were, oftentimes they're still peddling that crap. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. It's just so, um, it's so in the world that even when you, it's like a conspiracy theory, even when you come in with facts, it's sometimes not enough. They're like, yeah, but no, no. Yeah, but what? Well, yeah, but no, no, no. 
you say yeah, but what? Follow it up with something. Do you ha- what do you have when your doctor prescribes a calcium supplement for healthy bones? Ask her where is the show me the science that's proving that calcium supplementation yields healthy bones and not actually unhealthy for us. By the way, it is when it comes to like uh, things like atherosclerosis. It's, un- it's actually unhealthy. It's not necessary either because calcium is abundant, especially in plants. So you're, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. But so is magnesium and phosphorus and zinc and boron. Those are also in bones, by the way. There's a bigger picture. Do we need calcium? Of course. Where are we getting it? Are we getting it from a pill? Or are we getting it from food? that has thousands of other things in it when you consider phytochemicals. That's the question. But we lock onto this one thing. It becomes in the in the world. And even when we've been told the facts around it, we still go, ah, you know why? Because we're afraid. Because what if? I worked with parents before and they're like, yeah, we'll change our diet, but I'm not going to take that chance on my kid. I'm like, take the chance. What I just told you is less of a risk. Do you understand? You're not guinea pigging. You're actually minimizing the risk to you and your children's health. They act like it's a it's a science experiment where they're going to be wired with shock treatment. It's like, no, you're. It's, this is the best thing for them. There's not like a side thing that is doesn't apply to kids. That you're gonna you're gonna do it, but if you did it for the kids, boy, it could put them in in peril. I mean, come on. And so that's, and, and by the way, protein in general, I mean, let's face it. I don't want to, I've harped on protein so many, but I, by the way, I was remembering recently, uh, this guy, Joshua Catcher, um, I did a podcast episode with him years ago when I had my first show, Approaching the Natural Podcast. Anyways, and we, he and I ended up uh, coining a term called prototyphophobia, which is the irrational fear of protein deficiency. And we talked about it for, it was like years ago, but I just remembered that the other day. I was like, that's so funny. Prototyphophobia. Do you have prototyphophobia? It's the irrational fear of protein deficiency. And we did that because this has been going on a very long time. But the idea of you need more protein, you remember, you're protein, people who are not nutritionists, but also people who are dietitians and, and, and trainers, make sure you get enough protein. The, the teacher at my children's school, you need to make sure you get enough protein as a vegan. Are you talking to my child really about nutrition? You're not a nutritionist. You're a teacher in a charter Montessori school, and you're talking about protein. On what planet is that okay? But it hit the vernacular, protein, 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 protein. And you're seeing the effects of that. And it's actually taking us down. And again, some of that's a lot of that's ad campaign. But then it kind of kind of turns into science, especially when you have people funding research, so-called. And if you're just a normal person kind of living a life of doing stuff, you're not going to go dig through the mountains of research to, to pick out the thing. You're going to believe your Aunt Judy, who's not healthy, but says you've got to make sure you get enough protein. Why? Well, Judy said so. And I will finish it up with this one one thing. Mm. This immunity is kind of growing on me. I think it just cured COVID. I'm not kidding. Can I? I'm going to do a test real quick and see. Yep, negative. One cup of immune support with a flowery cover that makes it look like it just came out of a hemp factory. Lactic acid. You know, I did an entire episode on this show. What's it thinks? On I think I call it lactating some inappropriate uh, pun lactic acid because everybody including lots of trainers by the way and I'll do all I have a Nordic track uh, treadmill I'll do the the the, the um, you know what do they do the I fit workout thing and you'll have a trainer and you and he'll he or she will be guiding you through a thing and they go um, uh, you know so now you want to slow down because you want to flush out all that lactic acid you're going to feel the burn that's the lactic acid and it's like no it's freaking not it's not. It's actually not, first of all, it's not even lactic acid, it's lactate. So that's number one. Two, it is not the cause of muscle fatigue. 
It's not the cause of muscle fatigue. I hear it all the time with people who are supposedly informed. Until just recently, I was driving down to pick up my daughter from college because she had COVID. This is, see, it's all, I'm wrapping it all back around, you see? Anyways, I'm listening to this episode uh, of the Huberman podcast. The Huberman, he's a neurologist at, uh, an ophthalmologist at Stanford. I like the show. He's a little, he's a little, I need meat. No, you don't need it. If you like it, eat it, but don't just shut the fuck up about it, okay? Because it's ridiculous. And he's very bad about saying like, I tend to eat protein then, and then I eat fat. And I'm like, okay, this is another kind of a side note, but not so side note. When you don't talk of I'm eating protein, you can't eat protein. You can eat food that has protein in it. You can't eat fat. You can eat food that has fat in it. You can't eat carbs. You can eat food that has carbs in it. So when people say, well, I tend to consume protein after I work out, I go to myself because nobody really listens. What do you mean by that? Do you mean meat or do you mean spinach, which has more protein than beef? Which, what protein do you mean? And by the way, beef is protein and fat. Spinach is protein, fat, and carbohydrates. So this idea of I consume protein or I tend to consume fat or I tend to consume carbs is, is ridiculous. And again, it's become this sort of in the society way that we discuss food. It's very, it does a very real disservice to us in terms of our health, but back to the lactic acid. So I'm listening to this guy, Andy Galpin. He's a PhD out of Cal, Cal State Fullerton. I think. And he's a you know kinesiologist and trains people and everything. And so he's talking about that whole thing. And he, I, I go, and so they start on the lactic, lact, I think Huberman said something about lactic acid. I go, here we go again, God. And Andy goes, and, and Galpin goes, yeah, it's not, that's actually, yeah, that's a misunderstanding. It's not a thing. Like there's no, like when you exercise lactic, lactate goes up and your muscle soreness goes up, but not because of lactate. It's a, it's a mistaken, they, it's, an, it's a mistaken assumption. They assume that the muscle soreness is because of the lactate. And the lactate is actually a, an awesome, very efficient fuel source in the body when we are exercising to that level. Lactate, it's a fuel source. That should be the, it's a commercial. I should have done that on the Super Bowl. Lactate, it's a fuel source. Um, and so it's finally, I go, oh, I was so relieved. I go, oh, here we go. I'm listening in the car and I'm like grabbing my steering wheel just a little tighter. And I go, here it comes. Flush out the lactic acid when you get in your muscles. So you got to flush that out. And Andy Galpin, he's like, no, no, no. That's, it's actually like necessary. And even Huberman, who should know better. He's in, he's in, he's interviewed 17,000 people. And he goes, oh, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't, oh, I didn't realize that. It's like, that's how deep it is. That's how deep in the world. If you do some sort of iFit or, whatever that freaking uh, other bike thing is, the whatever, I can't remember the name, I don't even care. One of those guided workouts, Peloton, you will hear, a, I guarantee at some point, a coach will say, so now you want to cool down because that's how you flush out all the lactic acid. They will say that. It's just It just means that the craziness of protein and calcium and 10,000 steps and lactic acid get into the societal word, they become the societal word, and then they get passed down from people who aren't doing the reading themselves, but they're just going from one, it's like religion. They're going from one thing, just handed down with no question in place, just what it is, just the dogma of what it is. I remember interviewing uh, Garth Davis, who wrote Proteinaholic, good book, by the way. And he wrote his first book. He said, everything in my first book was completely supported by research, except for one thing. I go, what? He goes, that people should eat a high protein diet. I go, why? He goes, because it was dogma. You don't question it, it's what it was. When he actually got into the research and read the actual science and who was supporting it and funding it and everything else, his second book, Proteinaholic, how it's actually damaging 
the amount of protein that we're consuming and where we're getting it from, by the way. So beware of things that are in your world guiding you in some ways. And again, it's all for me as a coach where I focus, first of all, on stress and habit change long before the particulars of protein, calcium, 10,000 steps, and lactic acid. Notice your stress around things. If you are stressed about hitting your 10,000 steps and you get pissed at yourself for not hitting your 10,000 steps, it's worth a quick question. If you're worried about protein, you're walking around worried about protein or a drop of oil or something all the time. If you're worried about getting enough calcium, look at all the people hunched over with osteoporosis who can't stand up straight and ask them how many, ask them how many of them are plant-based. How many of them eat sesame seeds and pumpkin seeds and nuts and seeds and beans and whole grains and fruit, by the way, fruit and vegetables that are all full of calcium. Ask them how healthy their diets are. And then ask them if their doctor has told them to take more calcium. And the answer is probably going to be yes.
before These words that you hear Don't come from my head I'll decide never to Let weakness rule me These sentences to you They are silk-lined with half-truths Made to be bigger than Than they ever is drastic so drastic sometimes I feel so ripped apart sometimes I feel so hard sometimes I feel so hard Sometimes I feel so hard